Good morning, everyone. We are in the middle of a sermon series on worship. It's a sermon series entitled, I Will Worship. And I've been using a definition of worship uh, by uh, author and scholar Don Carson, uh, who writes, Worship is the proper response to all moral and sentient beings ascribing all honor and worth to their creator God, precisely because God is worthy and delightfully so. Let's pray together. Father, as we open our Bibles to the glory of Psalms, we are grateful for the Psalm writers, for your spirit moving in their hearts to write uh, your words. And as we apply these things to our lives, our prayer is that your spirit will move in such a way that we can truly understand your word, that you'll open up our hearts, that you'll open up our minds, that you'll give us an opportunity this morning, all of us, to soften these hearts so we can hear your true word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've mentioned it several times from the pulpit, and y'all are probably tired of hearing about it, but I injured my elbow. No size? All right. Oh. Well, it was several months ago, and uh, I just finished six weeks of physical therapy. And they gave me this five-page document to fill out. And at the end, the final form was a promise-to-pay form. <laughs> Basically, they wanted me to sign a paper promising that I would pay at the end of physical therapy. Well, I've never been to physical therapy, and I didn't know how much it was going to cost. So I asked the reception, well, how much is this going to cost? So she, she said she didn't know, and so she gave me a, a number to call. I even asked the physical therapist, so what's your going rate? He, he, he wouldn't tell me either. Well, I never called, so Jessica and I are just waiting for that bill to come due. But that's all me, right? I mean, I went to the sessions. I did everything they asked me to do. I did all these weird stretches. This one's my favorite. That is a real stretch. Maybe I add the flair, but it's a stretch. <laughs> but I, I didn't do any research. They told me I had tendinosis. I still don't really know what that means. She gave me that number to call about how much it was going to cost. I didn't, I didn't do any calling. I didn't look up anatomy to find out what exactly was wrong with my elbow. And, and really, that's not the right way to live, right? It's kind of irresponsible on my part. But it got me thinking this week about how we kind of do that as Christians. I think there are a lot of Christians who go to church an hour of singing and, and worship, and we're told what to sing. We're told from the pulpit what to think and what to learn from God's Word. And for many Christians, that's it. 
There's no personal research. There's no personal growing. There's no diving deeper into God's word to get to know a little bit more about Jesus, a little bit more about God. Is that really worship? Is that a life full of worship? And here's the more important question. Do you know the God you are worshiping? Or are we just simply going through the motions we're told to do? Psalm 29 is a beautiful psalm. And you can see clearly from the beginning of the psalm that there are three different sections. You can see it right there in Psalm 29. The NIV lays it out pretty easily. It says, ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord. And then it says the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. And then it says the Lord sits, the Lord gives. And so there's these three different sections of ascribing, describing, and what he's doing. Let's read this psalm together. Ascribe to the Lord. O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, and worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, and the Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks cedars. He breaks the pieces of cedars of Lebanon. And he even makes Lebanon skip like a calf. Syrian like a young wild ox. And the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord, it shakes the deserts. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And all the people of the temple cry, glory, glory. Because the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people and blesses his people with peace. Ascribe to the Lord, right? What does it mean to ascribe to the Lord? What does it mean to ascribe with honor and glory? Well, ascribe is a word that allows us to understand that we are giving God what is due his name. What he alone deserves. And glory, of course, is giving honor to someone's reputation. So, therefore, the psalmist is encouraging us to give honor and worth to God. And this this is a beautiful imagery, is it not? I mean, the, the voice of the Lord alone snaps the cedar tree. Think of the biggest tree you can think of. And God just speaks a word and it snaps like a twig. 
He wants us to envision that. Those trees that survive the storms, the trees that survive the weather that have been living for years upon years and grown as tall as the sky, just snapping like a twig. But God's voice alone can not only snap that in half, it can snap the cedars upon the mountains of Lebanon. Not just one tree. Think of clearing a whole forest just by the sound of God's voice. And he mentions the mountains of Lebanon. Many of us here have never seen the mountains of Lebanon. But if you could picture in your mind Mount Leconte here in the Great Smoky Mountains and then double that size. Mount Leconte is about 5,000 at its highest peak. The mountains of Lebanon are 10,000 feet high. It's the highest peak. And he says, did you hear it? That he picks that mountain up like a kid on the side of a stream, finding that flat rock. And he just picks it up and skips it. Our neighbors have these cows, and they just gave birth to these calves. And when they reach the new pasture, they, they just dance. They skip around. It's, and it's the imagery of how big God is. And all God's people say, glory, glory. Gene McDonald wrote the lyrics to a song, How Big Is God? Though man may strive to go beyond the reach of space, to crawl beyond the distant shimmering stars, the world's a room so small within my master's house, the open sky's but a portion of its yard. How big is this God we serve? He's bigger than the skies, amen? It took us 10 years to get a spaceship to Pluto. That's how big God is. It would take us four years if we could travel by the speed of light to get to the closest star. That's how big God is. And all we can do is cry glory. Amen? But we got to jump back in the text and we got to look at verse 2 because that is the key to understanding what the psalmist is saying. He says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Will you read that with me? Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The question I have for you this morning is, do you know how much glory is due to his name? Do you know how much glory is due his name? I told you earlier, I have no idea how much it's going to cost me to do physical therapy. I didn't do any research. I don't know what's due. How much research 
how much time have you spent getting to know this God? There's a couple conversations that Jesus has that puts all these thoughts into perspective. One is in John chapter 8. And within this context, Jesus is um, confronting the Pharisees of that day. And he says, I am the light of the world. Beautiful phrase, right? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But listen, the Pharisees challenged him. He says, here you are, and you're appearing as your own witness. Your testimony, they said, is not valid. So the Pharisees are saying, Jesus, you're just a man. And your one voice isn't worth anything. And Jesus said, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you, he's talking to the Pharisees, you have no idea where I came from. You have no idea where I'm going. You judge by human standards, and I pass judgment to no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. And in your own law, it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself, and my other witness is the Father who sent me. And this is the important part. The Pharisees look straight in the eyes of the Son of God. And they ask, where's your father? Where is your father? And Jesus says something very important to the Pharisees. He says, you don't know me and you don't know my father. Because if you knew me, you'd know my father as well. Now in John chapter 14... Jesus has a very similar conversation with his disciples. But this time, he's going to let off the pedal a little bit. He's not going to be so much in their face. But it's a very similar conversation that he's having with disciples who have followed him now for three years. have learned all about Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know the Father as well. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Very similar words, right? And look what, look what Philip said, poor Philip. He said, will you show us the Father? That'll be good enough for me. And listen to what Jesus said. Don't you know me? Don't you know me, Philip? Haven't I been around you for this whole time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Why would you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm the Father? And that the Father is in me? And the words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing the work. Believe in me. When I say I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. Listen, folks, we got two different groups here who are having the same problem. 
Those who thought they were righteous. Amen? Those that thought they knew they had it all together. And they were challenging Jesus. And Jesus told them sternly, you don't know me and you don't know God. And then his disciples, who spent three years with Jesus, and he's got gentle words, but they're the same words. Come on, guys. I am the Father, and the Father is in me. We're one. Those who pretended to be religious and those who were committed and gave their lives to Jesus still didn't know Jesus. It is possible to be religious and not know Jesus. It's possible to hang out with Jesus and not know Jesus. There might be people here today who know all the rules, who've got all the scriptures memorized, but they don't know Jesus. There might be people here today who show up every week they go to small groups, but they don't know Jesus. Because commentaries are great about understanding Scripture. Hanging with Jesus, folk, is good for the soul and your character. But studying and learning about Jesus is the only thing that will deepen our worship. You cannot ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name if you don't know what is due his name. You cannot ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name if you don't know Jesus. And imagine, friends, imagine how deep our songs would be if we knew Jesus. Imagine how deep our prayers could be if we knew Jesus. Imagine what service would look like if we knew Jesus. Our gifts, our talents, our offerings, our worship. It's all connected. And imagine what it could look like if we all grew to know Jesus even more. Years ago, I served in a church in Cincinnati. Jessica just got back uh, from there, uh, some friends of ours there. And I remember we were talking about this topic, and I used marriage as an example. See, when I met Jessica 23 years ago, okay, 23 years ago, I was a college freshman, and she was also a freshman. And her first memory of me, if I remember correctly, is an ugly scene in a lunchroom where I disagreed with the school's uh, dress code, and I made a huge show of myself. And I remember the first memory I had of her. Some guy thought he'd be funny and smashed ice cream in her face. And now here we are 23 years later, and the things I thought I knew about her are much different. And it's interesting because here I am 23 years later and I'm still learning things about her. And it's honestly deepening our love 
for one another. My wife goes to concerts. She loves concerts. She drags me along because I love her, right? I love grilling, and she'll buy me grill stuff because she knows I like that. I love her for it. Now, the reason I brought this up, this story about Cincinnati, is because I used that illustration 18 years ago, and instead of talking about grilling, I said how much I love oatmeal cream pies. If you got a moment, ask Jeff uh, about oatmeal cream pies. The, the neat thing was, one of the ladies in the church there in Cincinnati surprised me. I walked through my office doors Monday morning, and there was a box of oatmeal cream pies sitting on my desk. But that's what we do, right? We learn about the people we love, and it helps us to show that kind of love to them. And they show us love when they learn more about us. John Black always blesses me with too many okra to eat because he knows I like okra. Bob and Sue always end up having watermelon ready for me. You show love when you get to know someone more. Imagine, imagine what our worship would look like if we just knew Jesus a little bit better. When's the last time you did a personal study on the life of Jesus? You don't need a commentary. And if you don't have a copy of the New Testament, the Gideons have like a thousand of them. So I can hook you up. I can offer book suggestions. I can give you commentaries. But just take a moment to study the life of Jesus. I bet you would learn something every time you read through the Gospels anew. Maybe try it for a season. Read a chapter out of the Gospels each day. Maybe you'll learn something more about Jesus. And the more we know about Jesus, the better it will be for us to give glory due his name. Because worship is truly knowing Jesus. Worship is all about knowing Jesus. Now let's take some time to practice together. Three different corners here. We have trays filled with juice and bread. And we share this story every week with one another. That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have life eternal. Jesus Christ, God's only son, died on the cross so that we don't have to bear the penalty of sin. We eat the bread remembering a body that hung on a cross. And we drink the cup remembering the blood that was shed, a constant reminder of the sacrifice and the new life that we find in Jesus Christ because of an empty tomb. So we're going to sing a very good song that should lead us into this time called How Great is Our God. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? Let's pray.
Father, your greatness goes well beyond the ability to skip mountains like a stone because it touched us deeply in your son, Jesus Christ. It goes beyond the ability to speak a word and it snaps a tree in half because you numbered the hairs on our head. You know each of us by name. And as we worship you and celebrate the sacrifice that you made for our sins, I pray that you'll bless this time of worship as we celebrate, as we, as we cry, as we speak words to you. All these are because you are worth the glory due your name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.